Hey, what's going on, guys? Our guest today is a great guy. I mean, I cannot say enough nice things about him. He's incredibly cool, super nice, and loves music. Some of you might know him either by having seen him perform solo or with his band, The Gatehouse Well, or maybe you worked with him at Bongo Boy Studio and had him as your sound engineer. I mean, it was a great talk. It was super interesting hearing him, you know, talk about his passion with music and with sound engineering and even swing dance. Little sneak peek there for you. So please give it up for Dominic Romano. Yeah, it's nothing crazy. I mean, there isn't really a hard, finite description of what it is. I think at this point, it's kind of morphing, kind of changing into a bunch of different little things, I think. Okay. I mean, I know that sounds so vague, and you're like, what does that mean? I think I think that this podcast thing is like, it's more of a journey of me just trying to become a better person, I think. If I had to like put it into a concrete way of saying things, sure, that's what it would be. I think We're that's a still, good that's a good goal. It, yeah, right. But it still <laughs> sounds so vague. I don't know. It changes every day. I'm just happy to be sitting here talking to people like you. I mean, how cool is this? How are there? How many other opportunities would you have to sit down and get a really talk to someone in this fashion? And I mean, I'm sure you can yeah, appreciate and I know. that because like you're someone, in the studio. Yeah, yeah, and someone like that you just met too. Like, yeah, this well, is I, this is a uh, we don't know each other at all. Yeah, and here we are me on Facebook. Yeah, here we are in like, this garage, yeah. sitting down. About to have a talk. Like, yeah. how cr- how crazy is that? That that's the world we live in now. That mm-hmm. anybody can do that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool. And I think podcasting is one of those mediums that you have, you know, you have that. Ability almost. Authenticity in a way. Yes. And like freedom because it's still like a largely independent medium, um, you know, as opposed to TV and movies and some music or a lot of music, although there's a lot of indie music going on right now and um, that's kind of you know revolutionizing um the way the way it's been working but but yeah it's a it's a cool thing that podcasts get that yeah is that has that been something cool to see from your perspective where you are not only a musician but you're a sound engineer too to kind of have that that realm of the gatekeeping ideology kind of bypass now because anybody can record and just put it online i mean you've got youtube spotify you can just upload whatever you want whenever you want yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's both wonderful. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. And like, I started, I started my like recording producing process as like when I was in high school on my mom's laptop recording on like garage band. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that was, you want to pause for a sec? No, you can keep going. Okay, okay. I got so excited. This is the second time now I've done this. I've just gotten so excited. We're like, yeah, video. Um, All the different components. There's always something. <laughs> uh, but continue. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like I started I started this process of recording and producing myself 
you know, on GarageBand on my mom's laptop with like just like the built-in internal mic, just like trying to make myself Which always sounds great. I'm oh, top yeah. always trying quality. to make myself sound as good as possible, which um you know, hopefully those recordings never fully see the light of day at this point because they're not up to my current standards. Um, but like it's that accessibility thing we're talking about and and that it was so cool for any sort of creative person to have that accessibility and get their ideas down, you know, and that and it's only become easier from there. Like the quality for the price has only gotten easier. Yeah, the barrier of entry almost is, it's just so low. I mean, you can buy a $5 mic off Amazon and it's going to sound way better than that internal mic and then yeah, you're rolling. Yeah, you don't need much to start. Yeah. Did you see that coming? Thinking back to that kid recording on GarageBand, did you think that there would be a time like that? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, like I, uh, I went, yeah, I went to college and I just... I went to college for recording and music, but it came like it came time to apply for colleges and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like no clue what uh what my like purpose to going towards a job was going to be if that makes sense in terms of education. Um but I was like I'm passionate about this music, this like recording thing. Let, let, let's just run with that for a little bit. Like go to like and I went to like a liberal arts college rather than like a trade school because I wanted to explore. But, um, but yeah, I ended up, you know, applying. I went to Bennington College in Vermont, and uh, they had like a really good music program, recording program, and kind of gave me like a breadth of of knowledge. And I was fortunate that when I went there, I just ended up loving it more and more because um, it very easily could have been me going there and be like, oh wait, recording other people. No, no, I just want to do it for myself or or whatever. So, um, yeah, I was I was lucky that my my like somewhat impromptu or like not thought out as like a sixteen seventeen year old idea paid off. Yeah, you know, because it so it easily could have gone the other way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, and even. Even at a later point, too, like I could have gone all the way through a four year education and several internships at studios and never gotten like never gotten a job. Like I became. Yeah, my story, like I, I work, I currently work at like uh, Bongo Boy Studio in McKinleyville. And uh, I just happened to my dad was cleaning was I was at college. My dad was here was back in Humboldt, like cleaning a house with a neighbor of his. And his neighbor happened to mention that the studio was looking, um, and McKinleyville was looking for someone to um, come help, basically. Um, and I, uh, I reached out to to Jimmy and Susie, the owners, and they were super nice and wonderful. Um, and it just happened to be the perfect timing that they that you know Jimmy had uh, been engineering and built up this like business and this this studio. Um, and wanted to scale back. And it's hard to describe how rare that is in like, if you're not, if you haven't ever been like looking for like jobs as recording engineers, I'm doing air quotes right now for those not watching video, but like if you ever look for jobs, they don't exist. You create, you mostly will create your own job when it comes to recording, um, create your own space, create your own job, kind of like you have here. And, and it's, uh, but I was like, 
I was incredibly like lucky and the timing was just perfect for me to kind of come in, talk to Jimmy and Susie. Jimmy said, you know, I want to not engineer anymore. Um, do you want to take over as chief engineer? Um, and yeah, the timing was incredible and perfect for that. Is it hard to find a job just because the market's saturated with sound engineers? Yeah. I mean, I think most... Yeah, I guess, I guess the, the point of the air quotes around job is that like it's mostly a, it's create your own job type situation where most of the time, if you want to engineer, you're going to create a space for yourself and you're going to br- you know bring in people that think what you do is really cool and and um but when you're done with that space most studio owners don't bring someone else in to continue working in that space um i I don't know it's kind of hard i guess guess it's kind of hard to describe but it's it's not um there aren't very many like big studios that have multiple engineers work there and even if it is you it's often not like a normal job application process Mm -hmm. you know you i mean you can go and you can email like send a resume but like mostly they're going to find you through connections or like a band that has you as their engineer is going to bring you into the studio um, and have you work with them. And then the people who are already working in the studio will see that you're good and like bring you into the fold that way. Um, It's just kind of a different process of finding work. It's almost like you need experience, like your portfolio is going to kind of speak for itself. Yeah. You've got to get, you got to get a portfolio, which is the hard part. That's what you, you got to get first. Do until you have work doing it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, how did you know? So, what did what did you start recording back in your garage band days? Was that just you <laughs> like playing instruments and singing? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did a I did a lot of different things. Um, my first instrument that I ever played was uh, fiddle and violin, and I started when I was like six or so, um, and I I did that for a number of years. Um, uh, and so I did some of that. Um, I picked up guitar when I, um, acoustic guitar when I got to high school. And, uh, that was mainly like guitar and songwriting was what I was doing my ma- main exploration in, in high school. Um, cause that was new to me and it was exciting. And, um, I, I didn't know that you could accompany yourself on violin at the time and sing at the same time. Like since then I've found great you know, great musicians and great examples of what that looks like. The people do, you know, amazing accompaniment and sing. Uh, I wish I had kind of followed up on that a little bit further, but uh, I guess if I had, I, I may not have picked up guitar. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of songwriting, a lot of um, exploring like what's possible with MIDI and um, MIDI being like uh, digital instruments and tech, the tech part of building tracks in, in uh, GarageBand. There's a lot of that. That's cool. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I I can only have, you know, a ton of appreciation for what you do because I, I guess, like, you know, I edit this and that blows yeah. my mind because it's so labor intensive and to do what you have to do where you're not just editing, but you're mixing down all these different tracks and you're adding all these different components in. I mean, yeah, I get tired just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it can be very labor intensive for sure. Um and like I've done I've definitely done some like since working at Bongo Boy, I've done edit 
we've done a lot of things. Basically, we're an open door studio, and so you get a lot of variety in it. Um, and so that can be anything from like uh, ADR for TV shows, or or um, I've edited podcasts or interviews before, and I've uh, done a lot of that type of thing. And it's so um, like sound design for films and things like that that have both music, sound design, and editing of like vocal voiceover type content um it could be very labor intensive for sure um and i i like it um i think i'm I'm one of the weirdos that enjoys it for the most part mm-hmm. um you know for many people that's not that's not their favorite part yeah um, but taking something that is good and making it great through the power of editing and magic is you know one of my joys in it i think that's a great perspective i never really thought about it like that you kind of like have all the building blocks at your disposal and you're creating something from that yeah that's cool yeah thanks do you like do you like engineering your own stuff more or working for other people i mean i very much enjoy i very much enjoy doing my my own things for sure um uh, but yeah, no, I really enjoy producing other people as well. Like I definitely, I, with my own music, I have, I have a lot of different things that I do. Like I, because I'm a producer as well as a songwriter, I get to like do little forays into different genres that, uh, you don't usually hear one artist do. <laughs> um, you know, I can go from like very, very folky Celtic type stuff to like almost pop hip hop but not like rapping hip hop, but you know, vocal, vocal hip hop. Um, and, uh, to like swing music. And, and so I really, I really enjoy that, uh, exploratory nature of it. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, I take, I take great joy in like, if I find like a songwriter that I love their songs and if they, you know, I, either they don't know how to produce and arrange their own music or they have a vision that they don't have the you know resources to do. I love doing that. I love taking someone's song and adding my creative elements of whatever it is, um, getting the very best out of them, like bringing in the studio, doing you know a vocal take a, a lot of times, many times in a row. Um, and taking the best parts of it and kind of coaching someone a little bit uh, without being overbearing <laughs> on how to get how to get the very best out of their songs um, and kind of like the problem solving aspect of arranging music. Um, I love that. So when you have somebody in studio and they're recording, are you taking bits and pieces from each, like say they come in and they do 10 recordings of the same song, are you taking bits and pieces from each of those and turning it into one, or you just try to get one that sounds good all the way through? Yeah, depends on the artist. Okay. Right? Um, usually what I'll try and do, we'll try and do a bunch of takes, and then I'll pick one that has, like, the magic, right? There's usually, you know, there's usually a, uh, you know, a take when you do it that that's the one that has the emotion, that's the one that just everything kind of you can feel mostly it. at the same time. Yeah. It makes you feel it. And you're like, this is what the song can be. And then, uh, 
So that's kind of what the coaching performance part of it is, right? Is trying to get get that take out of someone. And it's almost like a little bit psychological as you're like, um, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll ask people like, what is this song about? And like, partially because I want to know, right? But also partially so that they can tell me and get in that emotional space. And then I'd be like, okay, go record. <laughs> and they kind of go through the process of recording it. And that can sometimes like, pull out that magical take so I'll, yeah i'll go through and i'll find that magic take and then i'll put like my critiquing hat on and listen through and if there's anything that could be better like if there's any problem spots in that magic take kind of finding those from other takes and and fixing it up a little bit um to make it um yeah the best version of that it can be of its own the best version it can be, yeah. It's got to be nice being able, I mean, being a musician as well, because you can kind of, you see it from both sides, right? You're not just the person behind the board. You're also the person that's been in the studio. And you're like, okay, well, you know, this works for me, so maybe this will work for them. And I can kind of help edge them to where they could be and reach that potential for it. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, definitely it is. I, um, it was funny. I have had, I had, I had the experience, we had an internship, uh, an intern a little bit, uh, like a year ago at Bongo Boy. And uh, I was going through, I was starting to work on my own solo music again. Cause I kind of put that on the back burner for a while as I was, I was producing like a lot of really cool artists and, and that was kind of my focus. Um, and then COVID hit and quarantine hit and we were shut down for a couple months um, in terms of, you know, we wouldn't, we weren't bringing anyone in. Um, and, uh, and so I was like, okay, well, I have a studio to myself. I have a bunch of creative energy and time. I'm going to, you know, kind of focus on my own solo music uh, career. And we had this intern that was with us at the time. And uh, I, for the first time, I asked him to, if like, or he wanted to engineer my stuff that I was working on. Basically, like, he was going to be sitting at the board. I was going to be just behind the mic. And usually... Um, it's been my experience that I'm doing both at the same time. It was a very different experience to be just the artist. And like, you know, I was doing a little bit of all over the shoulder engineering for sure. But like, it was a very different experience to do that. And it was uh, really interesting for me to learn what that's like too. Because as you're saying, like, I have that experience. But at the same time, I, I hadn't really had that experience beforehand because I'd always been the engineer for myself. I'd never been just in the space of an artist. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be weird where you know how to engineer, having somebody else engineer your work for you. Like, that's got to be just like a weird feeling of, oh, I've always done my own stuff. Okay, let's see yeah. where this goes. Yeah. A little bit of like letting go control. Yes. Um, Which is hard sometimes. Super hard, and, uh, particularly when you're used to it or it's, your, you know, your creative baby. But like, that's that's part of a growing process as an artist too, like really good for me to learn how to do and really good for me to appreciate like what it takes for other people to do that um you know because i definitely have people that will come in and work with me and they um are very open to suggestions and changes and stuff and i have people that aren't, aren't yeah. right um and it's my job to like still try and help them be the best version of the can they po be the best artist they possibly can but also you know respect their 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 feelings and their uh their vision for their art um and yeah it helped me understand that a little bit better so sure. walk me through the process because i have no idea 
mm. what goes on in a recording. St- I mean, this is as close as I've come to a recording studio, and this sure. is a garage. Yeah. So, when you have, if you have like a band come in, is everybody in the booth at the same time, playing instruments mm-hmm. and singing and doing everything at the same time, or is it like drummer comes in, guitarist comes in, vocalist comes in, yeah, and you kind of separate it out? Um, depends on the band. Yeah. Okay. That's. I was. <laughs> I was thinking it was gonna go there. Yeah. I mean, I think. Is one way harder I, I pride than the other? Myself, I pride myself on versatility for sure. So okay. like I have a lot of different processes and I tailor them towards the artist. There are definitely some studios that have like the way they like to do things. Um, but yeah, I'll have like, um, yeah, like my band, The Gatehouse Well, uh, or like a folk progressive band. We mostly, um, mostly record separately like we'll have we're a very like songwriter based band so i'll come in and record my guitar and vocal track and that'll be like the basic track that everyone else comes and adds their part to um you can have bands like uh uh dig and dirt um it's like local funk band super great and they um they did kind of a hybrid version where they recorded their uh they had like drum, they had everyone in at the same time, right? They had drums, bass, two guitars. Um, and then they had their, I had their singer in like a separate room kind of singing what we call like a scratch vocal. So all the, the, you know, the bass drums and guitars are all together live, getting that like feel and that, that magic that we're talking about, right? Trying to get that best version. Um, and then the singer has a freedom to come and redo their vocal and be a little bit more nitpicky about it if they want. Um, and so that's kind of like one of my, when it comes to bands, like my favorite hybrid version of getting like the rhythm track down all together. So you have that, that feel, um, but also being able to have the singer be able to redo their stuff and, and fix things. Cause uh, I don't know, modern ears are very, are, you know, past, past the nineties, our ears have been trained by what we've been hearing to, seek out like a perfect vocal which is near impossible to get for real if that makes sense like between the the pitch shifting you can do and the effects and changing everything the you know the modern listener's ear is looking is expecting like perfection with every bit and if you go listen to like old beatles records and um you know anything anything rock and roll for sure like there's pitchiness all over the place there's you know imperfections there's words that you miss because they're low or or quiet um but but they have like they have that that magic thing to them and because they were from before the current era our ears don't expect them to be perfect it's kind of a strange uh strange dichotomy or contrast that's interesting i never thought about that yeah is that because of like you know introductions of technologies like autotune that now we just kind of expect the song just to be perfect all the way through yeah yes (laughs) so it's kind of i never thought about that i mean i love i love old vinyl like that's that's my favorite thing in the world and i know that's so cliche to say now because everybody says that but it just has a different sound, and I wonder mm. if that's part of the reason why. Is it's, it's just more. Yeah, I think that there's nuanced there's, in a way. Yeah, it has imperfections, um, 
which are like the beauty of the beauty of most Everything. musical things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Most things in general, actually. Yeah. Good point. Um, but uh, yeah, like if your if your friend comes out with a song right now, what you expect to hear in order to call it good is way more is way harsher than uh, you would if you'd like listen to you know recording of them on cassette just rocking out thirty years ago or something like that. Like the the amount of difference in expectation is is amazing. It's a lot higher. Yeah. Does that affect live performances or artists like? on the edge of wanting to do live performances because it's not going to be that like there there's that margin of error in a live performance i would imagine where it's not just going to be you know this this super high quality because you are you might slip up or you might Mm -hmm. play a note a little off or some i mean i have no idea i'm just speaking out of my ass here but i would imagine things i mean things can happen things happen here and it's like oh shit like okay let's try to figure (laughs) something out on the fly yeah for sure it's uh Live performance is, I, I definitely think it's been affected like that, particularly if you've done a lot of recording or if you've you've been in that environment where you're seeking perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess I should say, like, when I, when I say perfection, like, there's still, there's still imperfections in perfection, but you're, like, curating the imperfections in a certain way if you get really intense about it. Um and uh, but in live performance, it's you know kind of a an exercise and and being zen about it and like if there's any mistake, just like letting it go and um, and I think audiences have less. I think I don't know. I think their ear at live performances um, has is not quite as like critical. It's a little more forgiving. Yeah, I think it's more forgiving, and you can't like listen back. That's the other thing. It's like you can't listen back. Yeah. Once it's past to to see if oh wait was that a mistake was that um something like that and there's something magnetic about being in the presence of a live show like that where like you're feeding off the energy of the crowd you're feeding off the energy of the artist on stage like it's just it's i don't know it's just a different feeling than when you're like at home with your headphones on listening to your song not that there's like in a bad way it's just like you i feel like you get more connected to the song when it's live like that so it makes sense that people would be like okay like this is we know what this is this isn't a recorded track this is the person actually doing what they came here to do yeah that energy or that like interplay between the audience and the the stage that's like everyone who loves live music that's what um sorry what i'm saying musicians who love live music that's what they talk about like that's the thing that's irreplaceable Mm -hmm. um and that's you know that's the beauty in it um and you know recording will never replace that it'll never get that back particularly like in the last year and a half we've had this exercise in like you know doing doing live streams as replacement for in-person shows and you've had you know only starting to come back and do do live music again um, and it's been such like um, between all my musician friends and and community um, in Humboldt, I know we've been talking a lot about you know how much it's missed that kind of energy of a live show. Do you play live here locally? Because I know I've I've seen a couple of your live shows online, the recorded yeah. ones. Um, do you do anything here locally as well? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, it's been hard over the, the past year with everything. <laughs> not but... much over the last year and yeah. a half. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, before before COVID hit, I was playing uh, kind of monthly solo shows at uh, Chapala Cafe in Eureka and Arts and Drafts, which shut down during during the pandemic, unfortunately. I'm very sad that they're gone. But um, And... Uh, Mostly when I play live, I'm playing with, I mentioned my my uh, Celtic folk, progressive folk quartet, whatever we want to call ourselves, uh, the Gatehouse Well. Um, and we've definitely, we've played uh, live quite a bit. Um, we had like some monthly residencies going on and also, you know, playing at folk, Humboldt Folklife Festival and um, Oyster Festival and like, you know, outdoor events around yeah. here. That's going to be such a cool feeling getting up in front of an audience like that yeah and just doing just doing what you're passionate about yeah do you play music by the way i i didn't i didn't ask i don't no i used to i play i grew up playing the piano and i played the saxophone for a little bit and then the guitar but as i got older i kind of just other things started to consume me and those kind of fell on the back burner what started to consume you what were your i got your passions transfer into um sports i got really big into sports i was going from you know basketball to baseball to soccer and it was just a cycle of okay this is all i have time for and then i fell out of that and i started doing like mixed martial arts and i got really into that for a brief period of time i like to bounce around i think that's the mo of my life is finding something that not that grounds me but i like to try out different passions i feel like life is so short that like mm. i don't want to get stuck in one thing or I want to try different things out to see if I really do like it. Because there's so much out there to do. Like the idea of just doing one thing for the rest of your life, I think, scares me. And so whenever I get too connected, I, I'm like, okay, it's on to the next thing. What can we do next? Yeah. That's kind of my, that's been my prerogative, I think, looking back. Yeah. Except with this. I think this is something that I'll, well, I'll stay tied to a little Stick bit with. longer. Yeah. Yeah, because I think like even even if the medium still stays the same, you're, you so far have given yourself a lot of like breadth in terms of topics. Yeah. And, um, as long as you're okay talking to people, the actual, you can still dive into different passions in the context of different conversations exactly. kind of a thing. Exactly, yeah. So it gives you a lot of a lot of variety in there. Yeah, and I mean, everything that happens is a passion, right? Like I'm, ta- I'm passionate about music and I'm sitting here talking to you and like that's, I'm sitting over here smiling because it's so cool. <laughs> and the idea of just that this is happening is like, mm. I think people take moments like that for granted sometimes is you forget like, we are on this crazy ride and look at where we are right now. Yeah. And again, we don't know each other. Like, I don't know 90% of the people that come on this thing. And I always leave having a great time. And I'm like, that's, that, that is cool. Like it's a release. And I'm sure you, you feel the same way in your music. Like when you do it, it's cathartic in a weird way. Like you feel like a piece of you is is not leaving your body, but like you're experiencing a different side of yourself in a way, I guess, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. It can be, um, I keep saying magical, but like it can be a, it ma- really, it can it be can a magical be. experience yeah. of, uh, of uh, particularly when I'm writing. Did you, did you see the movie? Um, I think it's Disney, I think, or maybe Pixar. It's uh, called Soul. I haven't seen it. I've heard it's pretty okay. good. I, I'll, I won't be too specific in terms of how it relates, but they talk about um, how artists can go into this 
creative space. Musicians, well, all artists, um, but in this movie, he, uh, the main character is a musician. Uh, it's talking about going into like a creative space. And when you're in that space, you're in it like a different plane of existence kind of. Um, and it's, and it's, I, you know, I wonder, I know exactly what they mean. Like if I'm writing and I'm super in it or, or even if I'm like recording or I'm arranging or finding the right, the right way to put together music or coming with creative, creative ideas, I'm in this like different creative space and it's very hard for me to like jump out of it immediately um it's it's like i'm stuck in a very good way um in a very beautiful way um so yeah kind of an out-of-body experience in that sense yeah do you feel like it's hard to get into that space it can be yeah it's something that's hard to force yes it almost has uh, to it's come not naturally. hard to get into it if i'm there if that makes sense mm -hmm. like if it comes on of its own accord then it's not hard at all um but you know i i've been like hi, i i am hired to be creative a lot of the time right and so there's a lot of times where um where i'm not necessarily in that full version of that space i'm you know seeking it or looking for that like spark that makes it happen and uh yeah and so you know, particularly I've done like co-songwriting sessions. There's a local label, Mercury Sky Records, that has, um, you know, supports local songwriters and they've hired me to do like do some co-writing sessions. And, um, you know, I've had some of those that I, you know, was with the right person and we found the right spark and we we're in that space together, which is super, super cool to be not just in it yourself, but in it with someone else. And then there, there were times that, it wasn't quite working and we still came away with a song, but it didn't have, didn't have that like creative passion to it to the same extent. Um, it's so like unquantifiable in mm -hmm. a way. And as a professional, you do your best to quantify it, but you know, there's, there's some things that are out of your control too. Yeah. Some things you can't put into words. Yeah. Is it, I would imagine it's almost harder trying to write a song with someone else. Cause what if you're on one wavelength and you're like, okay, like this is, this part needs to be passionate and like there's depth and soul here. And they're like, no, but like it should be more uplifting and like happy. And you're like, no, but it needs to, it needs to have this feeling behind it. I know there's something there. <laughs> or am I just spitballing here? No, no, that's, it's very true. Um, yeah. Writing with other people. Like I said, it's it can it's like um. It makes the it can make the high if it's a high it makes the highs higher, but if it's a low then it's makes everything so much harder. Yeah, like it's I it's either a good fit or it's not a good fit or it's like, usually it's sometimes a good fit but on other days not a good fit and it's, yeah, also unquantifiable that kind of like chemistry of writing with someone. You almost have to be connected to them in a way or yeah. be able to like relate emotionally in some sense to yeah. be able to like just yeah whenever i start a songwriting session i will usually start with like just basic like human connection mm -hmm. particularly if i don't know them super well um but even if i do i'll be like how you doing today <laughs> what's on your mind recently like start from that place mm -hmm. and then build 
you know, find something in what they say and build that you, you know, that I relate to emotionally and that I can tell that they're feeling a connection to remotely, uh, emotionally, and then build off of that for a song um, or use it as a jumping point kind of a thing. Now, when you're creating a song, are you starting with the lyrics? Are you starting with mm-hmm. kind of an instrument or a little riff and thinking, oh, like that could be something? Yeah. Um, both. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely have I have songs that I start with a spark. I call it a spark. Like and that being said, anything can be a spark. Whether it's you know, I'm messing around on guitar and I find like a little lick or something cool that something cool on there. Um and I make a little voice memo on my phone to save for the future or follow it up in the moment if I can, if I have the time. But like that's a spark. Um you know, I've woken up in the middle of the night with a melody running through my head and be like mumble into my phone. Um, that's not one that I would save. That melody I just sung there, that's not a good one. Let's not keep that's that. That's not representative. That's not representative of the amazingness of my my night recordings. But, <laughs> you know, but finding a melody that like that can be a spark. Um, but I also have, uh, you know, a document, like a Google document that I just put cool phrases down and I hear when I you know, going throughout my day and someone says something interesting that I'm like, that, that sounds, I like that. Or if I'm reading or, or anything like that. Um, so I don't have a particular, like, lyrics always, I'm, a, I'm not more a lyricist than a composer or more a composer than a lyricist. Um, I think I, I chameleon a little bit and, and try different things. Um, which is probably better that way because then you're not grounded to, okay, this is how I start my process. I got to go sit at my desk. I got to start <laughs> humming something. Like you can just pull it whenever it hits you. Yeah. Which is probably how you get some of your best work, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh... yes, what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I got to ask though, are you, I mean, what's going through your head when you get up on stage for a live show? Are you calm, cool, and collected? Are you freaking out a little bit? Are you stressing? What's happening? Yeah, I think I've played enough live that I'm not super nervous, or at least the threshold for nervous is higher. Okay. Like if I'm playing at, um, you know, a little coffee shop or something with like, if I'm playing background music for something, I'm not particularly nervous anymore i mean i still i still have like the desire to do my best kind of a thing but it doesn't necessarily come with uh, a nervous question if i can if that makes sense um but yeah when i'm when i'm like head main staging folk life festival or something like that and there's there's hundreds upon hundreds of people watching and it's being recorded then i'm like oh let's you know little little bit of butterflies yeah for sure um Thankfully, I have, uh, you know, mostly I'm playing with people if I'm playing a show that big. Um, and it's nice to be able to count on band members who are amazing to to do, um, you know, if one person is not, is at 80% of the day, you know, the other people can, can, you know, take that up and carry that a little bit more, put enough energy to bring that, bring that collectively up to 100% kind of a thing. 
Yeah, as opposed to it just being you on stage where you yeah. have the full weight of everything. Yeah, if it's you alone, then you are responsible for both yourself and the uh, the crowd, uh, which is definitely the harder part. Yeah. Being responsible for the energy of the crowd and trying to not, mani- I mean, manipulate that sounds like a bad way, but trying to... Um, uh, almost I can't, convey, I can't like the, convey right the, word, mo- the emotions yeah. of your song like you're not trying to yeah. I get what you're saying yeah, not trying, manipulate yeah, them not but... try, yeah like manipulating their energy but not not badly manipulating yeah. but like that word's work, become almost molding yeah molding their energy or like like working with their energy or trying to bring it up um, or down or into like an honest intimate moment with you or like a super rocking moment with you um, and trying trying to take a crowd with you can be hard. How did you find your band? <laughs> um, yeah, good question. Um, I've known uh, there's a fiddle player in the band. His name's Evan Morden. I've known him since we're babies. Like I grew up in Humboldt. Uh, he was also Humboldt raised, and um, he uh, yeah he picked up violin when he was like two or three or something um, about the same time I did he was like a few few years younger than me and uh but he kept with it and he's real good um so when I got back from college I uh, started playing with him a little bit um and I met uh we met uh our our other our other songwriter in the band uh Michael David who um people might might know from playing around he does a lot of solo solo gigging and he's the premier wedding acoustic guitar uh singer player um in the area and he's an excellent musician as well um met him through like a mutual friend i like to um i've been part of like the swing dance community here for years upon years this is another thing we can talk about uh just a whole nother area but uh yeah his his wife uh uh, swing dancing and I met him through her and found out that he's amazing and convinced him to come play a show with us and then uh yeah we played for a while as the gatehouse wall with the three of us and brought in our bass player um a year or two in uh he our bass player actually came and played on our first album um as like a guest and then we we're like oh it sounds so good we gotta keep him uh, and that's Nate's wordling um and uh yeah just a really really excellent group of group of musicians that i'm yeah it sounds like lucky to play with yeah and it sounds like it came really from an organic place like you guys all just kind of found each other yeah yeah it was very much like we want and and it's still like and it's still i think our motto of like we want to play music together that is the primary thing um as opposed to like, we want to play gigs to make money. We want to um, have the most fans. Like, it's always fun to have fans listen to your music. But like, we practice because we honestly not we practice because we honestly enjoy the process of creating music together. And um, when we get to share it, that's wonderful. Um, but we're not practicing. We don't practice with like the idea of being. Like we need to be perfect for a particular show so that we can, you know, go to the next thing and build off of that in a in a certain way. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining this very well, but like, I don't know. It's just kind of the, I don't know the way the way our band works is we're very organically 
um, inclined to play music together. You're in it for the passion of it. Yeah. Not to. It's very much a passion project. Make a million dollars. Yeah. A passion project by good musicians who like value being tight and like being good. So I say we like, we definitely practice and we get practice to be better, but like without that being the entire purpose of it is because we really just enjoy that process. Is it, is it hard being a member of a band in the sense that, you know, you have all these conflicting ideas and directions? Because you always hear about these, you know, great breakup bands <laughs> where, you know, one one person wanted to go in this direction, the other person wanted to go over here, and then they just, they fall apart. Yeah. It's, is that, is it hard balancing that in a group? Or where you guys are so tight, it's just like it you, can be. you can flow. Yeah, sure. Um, it definitely can be. I think we we all came into it with the idea that like I don't know, or just it naturally formed in a certain way that whoever song that we're playing, whether it's it's you know either one that I wrote, one that Michael wrote, or one that um, we do like fiddle tunes, and so our fiddle player is like the top has like the the uh you know ending say on what what their vision for that song is and so yeah i think that's been our way to decide i guess if there if there are differences of opinions um on how to on how to follow something um but it hasn't happened that often like i think we're pretty um we're pretty we like each other's ideas for the most part. And, and at the same time, like we don't have like a whole lot of like pride invested. If we suggest an idea, I mean, sometimes for sure, but like there's, you know, someone suggests an idea, they think it's a good idea, but if someone doesn't, if you know, the, the owner of that song or the, the, um, the driving force behind that song is not as inclined for it, it's not going to be like, Oh, well you, hate my idea and think I'm a terrible musician so I'm gonna like quit the band kind of a thing <laughs> which would be an extreme example yes. but like um but yeah there's definitely musicians that have that um I get that in the studio a lot if you get if you bring in like I don't know about a lot but like do you have to deal with that as as a producer a lot if you have you know the bands recorded their thing and the singer recorded their thing and now we're doing like lead guitar kind of fills and the lead guitarist is just like playing all over the song and they're sounding super cool and the the singer or the songwriter for the song is like that doesn't really fit the song or can we like dial it back a bit and then the lead guitarist is like you're stifling my creativity yeah throw up their hands be like if you don't want something sick for your song then (laughs) find another guitarist find another guitarist um i haven't had anyone quite that dramatic um but I've, uh, you know, there there can be a, that energy sometimes for sure. So yeah, we don't have that a lot in the gatehouse. Luckily, all, for sure. Luckily, we don't have that a lot. Um, but it's usually just a communication thing. Mm-hmm. There's a a, a wonderful story about like a recording uh, a recording studio where they had a, a, basically a band that was all yelling at the engineer to turn their parts up, and so the recording engineer gave each of them like there are faders on the board that control the volume of each other's parts. So he gave each of them a different person's part, if that makes sense. So if he gave the, like the vocalist, the 
the lead guitar fader and gave the you know lead guitar the drum fader and uh, told them to mix the song. And by the end of the song, everything was turned down to zero. Everyone kept turning each other's parts down until there was nothing left of the song. Oh, God. And so it was like a wonderful illustration of, you know, you are the band and it's important what you're saying, but like there's a reason you have a mixing engineer and a recording engineer or a producer to like to like find the best parts of all of you and make sure that it sounds good as a whole, not just, you know, individual parts standing out in that. Um, so that's that's a fun hat to play sometimes when people's pride is involved, but uh, but it, but it's good. Now, is it hard when you, because like for you, where you went to school for that, are they teaching you just how to manipulate everything? Are they kind of teaching you how to feel? Because I would imagine some of it, Yes, is very technical, trying to find that balance, especially with audio levels. But then, I mean, some of it has to come from somewhere inside of you, right? To, like, find that that magic inside of it and be like, okay, this this is how it should be. Like, this is the best vocal combination compared to, you know, whatever background music is going on. Like, this is where it needs to be. No, we should tweak it just a little bit more, but this is, this is perfect right here. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of that has to come from... I don't know if it's just like instinct or practice over, you know, the breadth of doing it. But I would imagine some of that they can't teach you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very, school tends to be very tech focused. Um, and I was lucky to have teachers that like prioritized creativity as well. But that element of like, someone's ear can can be developed like it's a skill that can be developed um but but also i think it's you know it can it's a it's a i consider it a gift to myself like i consider my ears to be of all the things that i know like my ears and my sense of musicality to be like my greatest asset if you will um and and uh this is not it. I'm sorry. I'm not not saying this very well. It's, you've got, no, me, no, you've no. got me thinking about this for sure. Um, yes, yeah, school tends to be very tech focused, and it takes. It took me a while to develop. Outside of that, to develop um, what I consider to also be a little bit of an innate ability. Mm-hmm. I had you know some internships watching other like really great producers and internship. Inter- um, engineers around the country kind of do that and go through that process and that's that's super helpful for sure um i mean nowadays there's like youtube tutorials for everything so yeah everything you can do the same thing without without uh at home if you if you really want um or a similar thing at least and develop that in yourself um but also you just got to go through the process enough Uh, so yeah part of it's the experience for sure Mm-hmm. And then I do, I think there's just something about, you know, like you said, having that ear for it where, I mean, yeah. I had on a uh, Kevin Lomilio and he's a photographer and his pictures are incredible. And I'm looking, I'm sitting there looking at him and I'm like, I couldn't like, you could give me a camera and I could sit outside for 12 hours and I'm not going <laughs> to capture anything that comes close to that, you know? And yeah. some people, especially if you're passionate about it, you can almost tune yourself to it to a higher frequency of what you're doing that 
someone who's not that into it or doesn't have that same drive is going to miss. Like, yeah. I, I could never take some of these pictures. I could never write some of these songs, you know. I think there's something innate inside of people that that kind of lends itself more to these these pursuits. Yeah. I agree. You know, it's... it's uh... <laughs> You're talking about, like, how if you gave you a camera and you could... You, you would never find a picture. I'd like, I like to think that you could happen by chance to come across something great, but it would really be by chance. Yeah, I think that, there's not going to be a lot of skill at that yeah, point. Yeah, and I think that, that part is the part that is a development of skill, right? Is being able to figure out how to more often get to that point of incredible result, if you want to call it that, incredible art. Um but kind of the innate eye for something or the innate ear for something is um, the part that can't be taught, I think. Yeah. It's almost like you have this – that's a good perspective. It's almost like you have this spark and you're trying to fan it into a fire. Mm-hmm. And all you need is that spark, but you got to you gotta tend to it. You got to blow on it. You got to give it the air that it needs to grow, and then it can become something really, really powerful. Yeah. And it's all about just – I mean, I think that just ties back into passions. Like, you just gotta you gotta fan what you love, and it'll take you wherever it wants to go. Yeah, man, definitely. I can't I can't let the swing dancing thing out of my head because yeah, that is I had no idea that that was a thing here locally. <laughs> is this like down in Ferndale or up here in Eureka? Arcada, baby. Arcada. Wow, I would not yeah. have guessed Arcada. Okay, how did you yeah. get involved in that? Uh, well, there was a girl, and. Uh, there's always a girl. There's always a girl. Well, okay, yeah. So the first, yeah, anyone who wants to go swing dancing, Monday nights at Redwood Racks in Arcata, you can go swing dancing at 7 p.m. for the class, 8 p.m. for the f- social dancing. Um, but yeah, I got into it because my uh, my mom made me is the first part. Um, when I was like in seventh grade, I think it was, um, there's a local instructor of uh, like ballroom dancing in general. Um, his name was Bruce Hart, and he was a really cool man, really great with the community in general. And uh, she said, this is a life skill you need to have. You need to know like some basic dancing. So she made me go take the class with her. Fortunately, my best friend's mom thought it was a great idea, or two of my best friend's moms. So we had three of us like seventh grade boys dancing with our moms oh, in the ballroom man. dancing class and it, uh, i'm sure it was adorable if you're anyone else in the class and it was <laughs> not mo- so much for you guys a little bit mortifying for us but better since our friends were there at least um and uh yeah from but and so i took this class and then like you know cha-cha and waltz and did a little bit of swing dancing and uh we kind of went after that we went uh to some local dances um, because we really enjoyed swing. And, uh, you know, we'd go and dance with our moms for the night and um, and we didn't have any courage to ask anyone else to dance for sure because, because you know, seventh grade. And uh, <laughs> and so we spent like a couple, you know, a couple years until we hit high school uh, going around to local dances, dancing to like bands like uh, Delta Nationals and Magnolia who were like the the dance bands of the time the big the big names and um <laughs> and uh and i hit high school and i had a, a girl that i had a crush on uh had been going to uh, 
Monday Night Swing at uh, Redwood Racks and Arcada, and and she said, "Oh, Dominic, you should come to this. Hey, you like swing dancing, right? You should come to this event." And I was like, "Oh, I don't know if I can. Yes, I will crush it." Um, and so I went to went to Monday Night, and uh, and I did get the girl for a little bit, and then the girl left. Um, but I still enjoyed swing dancing, so I kept going to Monday nights. That and, is uh, so cool. Yeah, yeah, and I I just kept. I've just been very steady about it all the way throughout high school. That was like me and my friend group's social activity. We go swing dancing. We go swing dancing on Monday nights. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, you know, kind of a great place to develop for me. Like it really, really helped me develop social skills in a way that um, I don't know if I would have been thrust into other scenarios quite like that. Um, but yeah, it helped really develop my social skills and sense of music for sure diversity of music um and yeah it's really a great place to do and so at some point i started like teaching a little bit just because i'd oh, been there whoa. i'd been there for long enough and you had it down and i had it down enough so so i'm one of the one of the rotating in teachers i was one of the rotating in teachers pre-covid and i i believe that'll come back in a little bit here oh nice yeah oh that's cool <laughs> Wow, all thanks to your mom forcing you to go. All thanks grade. to my mom. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I would imagine that helped with your confidence a little bit too, right? Just getting out there and trying something that you haven't really done, especially where it's musically inclined, you know? Yeah. yeah, feeling like I had like some skill in something already from my mom forcing me, but also, yeah, just kind of... Um, yeah, putting myself in situations that I that I uh, wouldn't have been in before, developing a skill from the ground up, and um, you know, it being like a we talk about swing dancing as being like graceful silliness in a way, um, as opposed to like so like as opposed to tango or or some other like some other dances in the area, um, salsa that they can have like silly elements, but they tend to take themselves very seriously. Swing dancing is like innately a bit silly. Yeah. And that's not to say that there isn't like depth to that silliness or like, you know, a whole lot of history for sure. And, and, you know, amazing, you know, teachers throughout the ages and, and theories and like all this stuff surrounding it, but like it's innately a bit funny and silly. And that makes it, that was something I always connected to. Like just being able to go out there and kind of let go of whatever insecurity you came in with and be a bit silly with it and still like, and still want to learn um, and get better, but being okay with being silly as you do. Is it hard to learn? Um, no. No. Okay. I, it, it takes, it takes time to develop to be really good, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's particularly hard to start with. That's not like starting out with ballroom dancing or... Or is that harder? I think it's about the same. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, there's how, how do you want to go into swing dancing? <laughs> there's 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 a couple different types of swing dancing. So like some of them are definitely harder. Um, there's a East Coast swing is like the most accessible type, and you can I could teach you that in ten minutes. Like you can you can do the basics of that pretty quickly, um, and then. You can get into like uh, the oldest form of swing dancing, which is Charleston, and uh, that's a little bit harder. And then you get into something called Lindy Hop, which is definitely the most most intense um, 
steepest learning curve for sure, uh, but also has the most creativity in my opinion um, and is my favorite. I didn't even know there were different types of swing. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That is so cool. So you dan- do you do any other type of dancing or it's primarily swing right now? I've definitely done, um, like I've done a little bit of a lot of other types as I went, um, but I've never, I didn't stick with them mm-hmm. the way that I've stuck with swing for like, you know, whatever it is, like 14 years now or something like that. Like, yeah, they haven't uh, quite, quite uh, spoken to me in the same way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely tried salsa and um, fusion, blues, bachata, a little bit of hip hop. Um contact improv if you want to i mean it, it's a dance but it's a different type of dance if you will it's not a not a partner dance like a like some of the ones i just named but yeah that's cool and what a great i mean bonding experience for you and your mom to be yeah. able to share that together you know yeah yeah um like i said i was mortified at the time oh yeah and, i can i can imagine but the, at the same the time fear. like i loved it and like i said i went you know, me and my best friend would go with our moms to dances and we'd have this like, I'm sure it was, you know, surprising but wonderful um, for my parents and obviously wonderful for us as well to be able to spend that time um, with them and and do that. And, you know, I can always say that my mom got me into swing dancing and, um, and it's such a huge part of my life. I mean, in many ways, she got me into music as well. Like she was... Um, both my parents have always been incredibly supportive of my music in general. Um, and even when I like announced at 16 that I'm going to like choose a college based on recording or something like they were like supportive to the point that I, as an adult now have a hard time believing that they were like, yeah, go to like a, a like small expensive liberal arts college and study recording Dominic. That sounds great. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm so thankful for both my, both of my parents for being staunchly supportive (laughs) for sure. Are they, do they play any instruments or do any vocals or anything? Um, my dad, not so much. Um, my mom, uh, sings, plays some piano, um, plays a little, used to play a little bit of guitar. She hasn't done that in a long time. Um, she's been like musically inclined, but not necessarily like professional musician kind of a thing Mm -hmm. um my stepdad plays violin and uh we had a a short-lived family band um oh no way yeah yeah about the same time probably of of uh you know early high school or slightly before um where we played played some fun tunes all together and it's and there are some videos of that that should also never, oh, never, man. never see. They're floating around online somewhere. Yes, I think on a DVD in Ooh. our in our uh, in the armoire <laughs> cabinet in our in our house. Uh, and so, yeah, if you break into our house into my mom's house <laughs> and find that DVD, you can see me as a moody teen singing my heart out. Oh man, it's that funny. is so cool. That is <laughs> wow. I mean, that's starting a band with your family. Uh, that's cool. I would do that. None of my, I think my dad played a little bit of guitar, but never like had lessons. I think he just strummed it. And my mom, kind yeah. of the same thing. Um, my mom played the piano for a little while. She took lessons back when I was a kid and I was taking lessons with my sister. Mm-hmm. But I mean, starting a family band, how cool is that? 
That's almost like secretly everybody's wish when they're growing up, and then you kind of grow out of that phase. You're like, oh, maybe I should start a band with my friends instead. <laughs> so where did you get that inspiration from to kind of be a musician? Did it stem from more so your mom? Yeah. I mean, I think my, yeah, I think my mom was um, more proactive in like, like earlier on was more proactive in like making sure that I, if, when I when I said that I wanted to try violin, making sure I had access to lessons and, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I guess stoking stoking the flame, stoking the fire, um, and making and helping it kind of grow from there. Um, but my dad has also, even though he doesn't play music himself, has always been like he's been very interested um, and very good about like asking and supporting my like um my songwriting and my like solo career stuff like in college and beyond um and and earlier on of course like he was he made sure i practiced my violin and and did all that um um but yeah my mom was the one that had the 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 musical things and she was in a couple bands like singing um when i was young uh a lot of like um you call it um I forget they called it a folk dance band um it was particularly like uh eastern european type music so it was a lot of sounds that I think have subliminally shaped how I how I make music now because they were like a lot of what I heard earlier on when I'd go and sit in the back of their practice and play with legos or whatever it was but like um you know like bulgarian folk songs and these things that have different you know different tones and different sounds from the music you hear a lot now um, yeah that kind of laid the inspiration for the direction you go now yeah just always being exposed to mm-hmm. music and a variety of music my mom really loved classical music that was her that's what she played on the radio um and so i had a lot of a lot of exposure to that and just like when you as a young person when you express interest in something having a parent that says yeah, follow up on that. Let me give you some options or give you space to do that. Um, as opposed to, I mean, and very, very understandable things if you don't have like resources, if you're not, like, if you aren't born into a home of privilege, like I fortunately was, but like um, saying like, you know, we don't, there isn't time for that. There isn't, that's not going to turn into something that you can do. Um, you know, there isn't, mo- there's enough money to, to go for that, which is, you know, which is very real. And parents have to say that all the time, but I was lucky enough to have the, the, t- the kind of parents and the privilege to follow up on those passions. Yeah. Having someone that believes in you, I think is, it's definitely beneficial. I mean, it's, I don't want to say that it's like an end all be all. Cause there are people that, you know, only believe in themselves and that's all kind of the support they have and they yeah. they achieve whatever they're driving towards. But having someone that's in your corner saying, you can do this, like, might be hard, you know, it's going to be a bumpy road, but you, you can do this. Like, this is within yeah. your wheelhouse if you want it. Like, that's important and that helps because sometimes, sometimes, you know, the path where, whether it's growing up or pursuing a passion, like, it gets a little rocky. And there are points where you kind of, you stumble a little bit and you fall down and having someone that's in your corner to help you get back up is, I mean, there's no substitute for that if it's there. 
Yeah, definitely. Who's your Who's your person? Um, or definitely, who are your people? Definitely my family. My yeah. family has always been incredibly supportive. They don't always understand my pursuits. Sometimes, sometimes they're like, "That's what." Like, they thought this was going to be like a radio show. They're like, "I don't, I don't know what a podcast is," but like, if you want to do it, you know, go ahead and do it. But they're yeah. always supportive, even if they don't see the vision, because sometimes it's a little out there. They are always, you know okay, what do we need to do? Like, how do we, how, do, how can we help? Where are we, like my dad and my sister were the first two people on the podcast. Like yeah. we're sitting at a, on a pool table with a ping pong top. And I got a couple, like I had a couple of mics. I had like one camera and nothing else. And they're like, okay, let's, let's do it. Like, yeah. And my mom is, you know, like a religious listener to the show. Um, and just like super supportive, just always not having like a negative aspect towards anything that i try to put my head to i think that's yeah you need that yeah definitely i think yeah particularly in creative pursuits mm -hmm. um is um very important has been very important for me and for most people that are creative that i know yeah because there's no safety net with that at least if you go get a job you know okay my you know, my bills can be paid. Like I might hate my life, but at least everything, like I'm not going to be homeless tomorrow, you know? Whereas if you yeah. go, it's not even necessarily just creative. It's something unstable, like starting a business or mm -hmm. pursuing a passion. There's no safety net. Like if you fall, it's going to, it's going to hurt. hurt by the time yeah. you hit. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's what's just. What's the craziest, what's the craziest per pursuit that came to mind? Like you were, you were saying that even when you had like some of your ideas and some of them were pretty crazy. What, what, what were you thinking of? Oh, man, I've had some. This this is definitely a crazy one. They were definitely like, okay. what, are you, what, what you're going to do what? And then people are going to watch this. And I was like, well, I mean, maybe eventually. But like, I don't think anybody's going to watch it in the beginning. They're like, so why are you do like, what are you trying to like, just understanding the vision, right? right? But I mean, I've also I bred crickets and sold crickets for a while as like okay. a business venture. I did the same with cockroaches. Like, I also... Huh bred rabbits i've made duct tape wallets and so like as a kid obviously not as an sure. adult i don't think people would buy them from me now but um i've just always i'm always doing something which has yeah. probably frustrated them a lot in life but they've never said no don't do this yeah so in any anything i've tried to do i made and sold paracord bracelets for a little while i had a little lawn mowing business for a little while like i just try to keep i try to keep it moving in a way, I guess. Yeah. And they've just never said, oh, are you sure you... They might have said, are you sure you want to do this? But as soon as I say, yeah, like, I think this will be good. They're like, okay. Yeah. How can we... What are we going to do? How do we enact this and make it happen? Yeah. I think it, it you know, maybe comes from a place of recognizing... Um, like, recognizing a theme among them of ambition or of creativity or of... um yeah, kind of pursuit of something that you find interesting, that even if the action itself is not something that is understandable, like, or sorry, even if the, you know, venture, the details of the venture is unimportant, the fact that you're going on the venture um, is admirable and worth supporting. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. I think people get too hung up on I want to be here. So I'm going to do everything I can to get to this end point. Mm -hmm. And I think the important thing 
isn't so much where you end up. It's it's the path that you're taking. Because you might fork off at this turn and go off on this other direction. And you might take another branch and go over here. But you're still moving forward and you're progressing. It might not be where you thought. But it might be better. Like I never thought. 10 years ago, I wouldn't have thought I'd be doing a podcast. But God, I'm so happy I am. And yeah. I'm sure... Well, you probably, you might've seen the music thing coming because you started 10 years ago. Younger. I, did, I yeah. did see the music thing coming, but it was, uh, but I'm sure the path that you thought you would take isn't the one that you're on when you were yeah. that kid. Right. And it's yeah. probably better. I think that it's incredibly important to just take a step back and say, okay, I have an idea of where this could go, but I'm going to be fluid enough to where if I start branching off, I'm just going to go with the branches and see. And as long as I'm, you're making steps in a general direction mm-hmm. you're on the right path we get we just get too yeah. focused on that end goal i think sometimes yeah and it's easy to get trapped in that because what if something else happens that's better yeah it's important to recognize opportunity unexpected opportunities um and even if they're side you know even if they're distractions from what you're doing if they're if you know if they're pulling you strongly maybe it's not a distraction that's going to take you away from your path maybe it's just a different fork on the path kind of a thing absolutely yeah it's it's all just i mean life life is all about taking steps as long as i think as long as you're moving forward by whatever definition you take that as you know you're making progress and yeah. as long as you're not my biggest thing is I don't want to be the same person tomorrow that I am today. Mm. I think we should always strive. And that doesn't mean, oh, I need to go, you know, I need to be a multimillionaire by tomorrow. So I got to do everything I got to do today to get that. But just, it could be taking instrumental steps, you know. I'm going to go hit the gym today so that I feel better and I'm a better person tomorrow. Or I'm going to try to eat a little healthier today so that my tomorrow looks a little brighter. Or mm. I'm going to take 10 minutes and lock myself in my room and jam out to some tunes. Like whatever it is, just taking these instrumental steps to make you happy and to get you where you want to be. I think that's important. Making them conscious choices too. Yes, which sometimes it's hard. I'm sure there's days where you might not want to play music or there's days where I don't want to sit down and edit for three hours. And you know what I mean? There are things that you don't want to do, but in the long term, they're going to help you. And it's just, sometimes it's just getting over that barrier of, okay, let's just... (laughs) <laughs> let's just do it yeah definitely and you can make a conscious choice to give yourself like a self-care day of whatever that means to you whether that's you know making a good meal and and going going to the gym or that could mean for me sometimes it means doing nothing or reading a book for a while and uh sometimes watching tv too or listening to podcasts like giving myself a rest day but it's still i identify with what you're saying that's still a if if it's a conscious choice of saying, yeah, this is what I need right now, I'm going to do this, um, rather than like falling into the you know a haze of of non-conscious like watching TV or or not, I'm going to you know air quotes not doing anything. We're always doing something, but if it's not a conscious choice, it doesn't feel like doing something to me. Yeah, not scrolling know. scrolling Instagram for two hours. Numb scrolling, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's I mean, there's so many sinkholes for you to just fall into and then you blink and it's like okay well i just wasted the rest of my day i guess i'll (laughs) go to bed and try again tomorrow yeah i don't know i mean i think 
finding passions is important. And that's why I think like your story resonates with me because I can tell you're you're passionate about your music. You're passionate about sound engineering, which is cool. I mean, there are these things that motivate you. And I think when you tell that to somebody, and that's why I think tying back into live shows, I think it's so powerful is because you feel that energy off that person. You can tell they're Mm -hmm. passionate. And if they're not, you feel that too. And you're like, okay, well, maybe this is not the live show for me. Maybe I need to go check something else out. But when they are, and when they're into their music, and they're up there, and they're playing their heart out, you feel that. And it comes across in recorded versions too, but there's something different about being there in person. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even I watched... I'm going to butcher the name of your song. It was like all in my head. Sound sound like something? Over? Never in my dreams? Never in my dreams. All in my head. Okay, close. I mean, a stretch. Never in my dreams. That's the live song that I heard. And I, you know, within the first 30 seconds, I was like, oh, I got to get this guy on the podcast. I was like, oh, this is this. I did want to ask. Yeah, is that, that's how you found me? You saw the. Yeah, I, Miles Cochran. I was wondering if it was Miles. Yeah, Miles was was kind of singing your praises, saying you helped him with his EP. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I Googled Bongo Boy Studio and you have all your stuff linked, which is awesome. And I clicked your YouTube link and that was the first video that popped up. And I was like, first 30 seconds, I was like, oh, this, I got to reach out to this guy. I got to <laughs> talk to him. Because it was, I mean, you could tell like that was, that was a great song, but you were passionate about it. And it was live, which was cool. I mean, obviously yeah. I wasn't seeing it live, but I don't know. It was just, it was a cool song. And it, there was emotion in it. And I was like, oh, this, yeah, yeah. I'm going to reach out to this guy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm really glad you did too. Yeah, yeah. I'm Thanks. glad you appreciate it. I'm glad you came on it. I, I just can't say it enough, but like talking is it, like talking about experiences and just talking with people is, is powerful. Yeah. It seems like um, we're talking about like what you're, what is this podcast about, right? You know, you're saying it was for, you know, helping you you know, as a, as a way for you to grow, kind of as we've been talking about moving forward. And um, and it seems like, you know, conversations with people who are passionate, like, I don't know, that seems like a through line to me, at least from the, the couple that I've heard um, so far. Oh, absolutely. I, I only heard about the podcast two days ago here, so I've got to go through the back catalog. But, um, but, you know, talking with people who are truly passionate about what they do. Well, because if you uh, talk to someone who's not, I mean, it's just not a fun conversation. I mean, we'd be sitting here and it'd be over in 10 minutes. Yeah. Because there's nothing. When you talk to somebody about something they're passionate about, it's exciting. And you get excited about it. Then you're both just just on this realm, especially if it's something like music where like, I don't understand how to make music. Like, I don't understand the process. I don't know how to write a song. I don't know anything about swing dancing. But in talking to you about it, like. I'm I'm excited about you it because you're about yeah, it you're excited about it. I'm almost thinking like, man, should I check out swing dancing? Like, is this something I Absolutely need to look into? Absolutely, you should. I cannot dance. Otherwise, I I That's might. Why you take a class? I know, but I don't. If you uh, can walk, you can dance. See, people say that, and then you start dancing. They're like, you know, maybe you should stick to walking. Like, maybe that's some people walk, some people dance. Let me let me rephrase. If you can walk and you have a sense of rhythm, which if you played music, you have some sense of rhythm. I am entirely uh, of the mind that you can could probably learn how to dance. Yeah. Whether swing is your dance, I I can't speak to that. Maybe you'd have a different dance that would speak to you more, but uh, but I think it's possible. Yeah, maybe maybe that'll be my next project. <laughs> so I'll pick up dancing, maybe like salsa or something, just to yeah. just to go balls to the wall. Um, 
But no, that's like, I mean, talking to someone that they're passionate about. That's, yeah. that's, I take an unexplainable amount of pleasure in doing that. Just sitting, like I could listen to someone talk about something that they love for hours and feel like no time passed. Yeah. Because you, you pull something from that. And talking to you and like talking to the people who are motivated, motivated, motivated and driven, it makes me motivated. Yeah. Like you pull something from that. It's like, okay, now I got to work harder. I got to go, you know, work on my editing skills or go work on, you know, trying to improve myself a little bit harder. Like you get motivated. It's almost like watching those motivational videos on YouTube, you know, yeah. how they, they spark something inside of you. I get that from talking like to people to interact. Too. Exactly. Which is so much better. Yeah. And you don't really get to talk to people like this anymore. I mean, you do with your friends, you get to have depth and challenge each other's ideas and do all these things. But if we just bumped into each other on the street and started talking, we're not going to go into this. I'm not going to know you do swing dancing. I'm not going to know how passionate you are about your music. You miss all that. And this is, I think this was like a conduit for, for expressing that to people and to yeah. getting, to getting that expressed to me in a weird way. Like, yeah. that's why, I, like, this is my music. I can't, <laughs> I can't sing. I can't, you know, write, write songs or create these masterpieces, but I could do this. Mm-hmm. And this is enough for me, at least for now, until I try swing dancing. And then who knows? I might have to. Maybe I'll start a swing dancing YouTube channel and just there we go go off. There we go. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, man, we just did we just did an hour and a half. We just put, we oh, just man. put in some time. Yeah, time Do you in. have anything you want to plug? Your band, your your solo uh, stuff. Yeah, sure. That's a good idea. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. You can find me as a solo artist. My name is Dominic Romano. Um, you can find me on social media at Dominic Romano Music or on your favorite or your favorite streaming site. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're interested in recording or or just want to talk to me about what it's like to be an engineer and producer a little bit more, if you haven't if you haven't heard enough already, uh, you can you can find uh, the studio I work at bongoboystudio.com. Uh, dot and my band, The Gatehouse Well. We talked about that too. Yeah. Thegatehousewell.com uh, is our is our our website and you can find us on uh, streaming and social media at The Gatehouse Well as well. And Swing Dance in Arcada if anybody's interested. And Swing Dance in Arcada, check out Redwood Racks uh, or Redwood Rocks or Redwood R A K S is a confusing title, but okay. that is the dance studio um, that has a bunch of different types of, of social dancing and partner dancing. Uh, swing is Monday nights, but they've got salsa and they've got fusion and they've got a bunch of different things that you can check out. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. I, I, I really had a blast sitting here and talking with you that I think, you it's know, been such a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. Man. It was Appreciate a lot it. of fun, man. Really. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, thanks guys. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure.